just say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on Word, murder in the wellness community of Sedona is the plot of a new novel by a Cottonwood writer. I know this makes me sound completely insane, but I really enjoy murdering people in books. Plus, summer is hot in the Valley, and a Phoenix native offers a twist inspired by the classic Jane Austen novel, Emma. Jane Austen plus swingers might not be intuitive, but I think it makes perfect sense because even when she was writing in the early 1800s, she was challenging the ideas and the rules around marriage. But first, Dr. Janice Lipsky is a Scottsdale resident whose middle grade novel, Woot, came out in 2018. But in the spirit of our focus on summer reads in the last two episodes of this season, we wanted to revisit a classic theme. How do we care for each other? And what might our treatment of animals teach us about humanity? Lipsky is also a practitioner of Taekwondo, and that's where we began our recent conversation. I took a break after college. It was about five years, then 30 years of my career. So I'm going back now as an older person competing. Uh, So it's been about 10 years that I've gotten my black belt. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's outstanding. (laughs) Is that something that with COVID had to take a break from competition like everything else? Yes, sir. We had two years off. So in a way, it was good for my body to recover a bit. Um, and I tried to stay in shape. Speaking of sports, most people don't know that pigeon racing is a sport or that there's a large breeding industry producing fancy pigeons that compete on looks alone. How did you find out about that? Yeah, so back in September of 2014, I was looking out the window and I saw a solo pigeon. And we don't have pigeons up in North Scottsdale Cave Creek because they would be eaten by a hawk right away. So I thought it was odd, and I saw that it had a green band around its ankle, so I thought maybe it was a science project. I Googled it, and then a whole bunch of stuff came up about racing pigeons. Well, and the reason we bring it up is because the title of your book, Woot, centers around a person who shares the hobby of pigeon racing and breeding with his father. It's a middle-grade novel. And uh, I'm assuming that your interest in that particular pigeon led into creating this book. It did. My rescue of the pigeon and everything I learned about the juxtaposition of the breeding people and sort of uh, through ego, racing them, uh, competing on looks in some cases versus the rescue community who extends compassion not just toward other people and cats and dogs, but even to the misunderstood pigeon. Give us a little bit of the story arc, where it starts and where it winds up. So the story came to me as my husband and I built an aviary to help out this lone pigeon. And I thought about a father and a son. And the father has a bit more of a machismo bent about breeding them, getting uh, winners. And it does happen among many, not all of the breeding community, that if a bird doesn't win, it gets cold. Versus the son who enjoys hanging out with his father. 
He wants his father's approval, but he's more kind-hearted, sort of innately more compassionate. The protagonist, Daniel, who's 12, has to navigate wanting his father's approval, but also being kind toward the birds in his care. I think that's the case for a lot of teenagers. Of course, this is a preteen at 12, but searching for their parents' approval, right? Yep. And also the approval of his schoolmates. So the story also addresses bullying. Uh, so he gets teased a little bit by some of the kids in school, whereas there's another kind-hearted girl uh, and she uh, respects him for his kindness and also for uh, his scientific uh, acumen. So he has that one friend, but then one day the father, I won't give away the end, but it all culminates at the big fictitious Southwest regional pigeon race where Woot, the star pigeon and Daniel's best friend in the book, the pigeon speaks only to Daniel. He competes in the pigeon race and gets lost. Writing this book is a departure from your professional life, yes? It sure is, yes. It's the first book I've written, certainly the first fiction piece I've really focused on. And what did you use from your professional career in marketing and uh, as a psychologist, sort of the things that you experienced in those careers, and how did they work themselves into this book? So while I was writing the story, there's a lot of themes that I think about as a social psychologist about the way maybe we project onto animals class distinctions and even different ethnic distinctions, the way that we have our world and it can be imposed on animals. That was one theme. Another theme that came to me was vulnerability and strength. Sometimes I think people think vulnerability signifies weakness, but does it? Maybe it leads to compassion. So I try not to be very heavy handed, but I raise these themes in the story. And the other thing is a food chain. You know, we think about human beings at the very top of the food chain, but when you delve into the merits of a pigeon, there's a lot of things people don't know, like they're monogamous. They breed for life unless one of them dies. The male and female share nesting duty. They take shifts. So it's very egalitarian, and I think it is widely known their homing instinct and their ability to navigate. That's a talent that we would never have without GPS and our technology, right. of course, but they have it innately. And finally, their ability to discriminate objects because they evolved needing to distinguish good seeds from bad so they could actually be trained to even read uh mammograms and identify where wow. on a mammogram it could be a suspicious lesion. So they're pretty fascinating. And I explore some of that in the book as well. Yeah, that's amazing. I certainly did not know how smart pigeons were. And I would imagine others do not as well. I mean, we kind of take them for granted because they seem to be ubiquitous. The title of the book is Woot. And is that kind of like the use of onomatopoeia in terms of that's what the sound <laughs> of a pigeon makes? Perfect, Tom. You nailed it. That's the sound that he made when we rescued him. And it was almost a warning sound, but it's a whoop like that. And that sound features prominently in the different calls they make and their cooing. Janice Lipsky, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us about your middle grade novel, Woot. We really appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much, Tom. You can find out more about Dr. Janice Lipsky and Woot on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, murder in Sedona's wellness community is the theme of a new novel by a Cottonwood author. I'm Tom Axidon, and you're listening to Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. KJZZ is your source for news and analysis. The legislature cannot allow for early voting in all cases. Getting up to date on vaccines is critical since immunity may be waning for many people. The pandemic era protocol places broad restrictions on asylum. KJZZ is the Valley's news leader. Listen to KJZZ on air, online, and on your phone. You get a lot of things delivered these days, and now that includes the latest Arizona news from KJZZ's Sun Up podcast. I'm Phil Latzman. Everything you need to know to start each day delivered to you in this handy little podcast. Go to kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts and download KJZZ's Sun Up today. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. On the heels of her debut novel, Fashion Victim, Cottonwood resident Amina Akhtar has a new book coming out in August. So it's a summer read that falls under the heading, Wait For It. Akhtar formerly lived in Manhattan, but moved to Arizona following her mother's death. My parents had moved out here in, to Cottonwood, I want to say like 2008, 2009. And then after my mom passed away, we kind of realized my dad didn't want to leave the house. You know, he didn't want to like move in with my sister in Texas, which is what we thought would happen. And so I thought, you know, I could use a break from New York. I'm a little burnt out from the fashion world. And maybe this is a good time to to have an adventure. So I packed up all my things and got my tiny little dog. And here we are. And it's been almost six years now, which to me is absolutely crazy. I want to pick up on that notion about you being a former fashion editor because your previous novel, Fashion Victim, you did draw on your experience, right? Yes. I always have to warn people that I didn't intentionally murder in the book anyone I used to work (laughs) with, but it was a very cathartic book to write. You know, it's, it's sort of like if American Psycho and the Devil Wears Prada had a strange love child. That's how I, I describe fashion victim. And I definitely pulled from, you know, almost two decades in the fashion industry and, and what it was like. You have a new novel coming out in August called Kismet, which is also a thriller, but it's set in Sedona. First of all, what do you like about the thriller genre and tell me a bit about your writing process. Are you one of those people that's, I mean, having been an editor, are you pretty deadline driven? Like you get up, write the same time every day, that kind of thing? I don't write the same time every day. I try to, but I also, um, I'm one of those people that has chronic migraines. So there are just some days I'm not able to even look at my laptop. Um, And I think that, you know, a lot of people when they're starting out writing, they feel like I must write every day. And you don't. (laughs) I try to do more like a word count a week, you know, maybe I'll hit 5000 words this week, or maybe I'll hit 10,000 words. So I'll get through, you know, if I'm editing x amount of pages, so that it gives me a little bit of leeway uh, on the day to day stuff so that if I can't function, and you know, can't do something, it's not the end of the world. Answer your question about thrillers, and I know this makes me sound completely insane, but I really enjoy murdering people in books. I really do. <laughs> it is so much fun. You know, it's like anyone who, you know, has gotten on your nerves or you just, you know, somebody cut you off in traffic, kill them in the book. It's fine. You know, it gets all of that 
angst out of you. And I find it very, very therapeutic. Let's talk about the title briefly. I read that in Islam, it meant the will of Allah. I tend to think of it, and I think most people tend to think of kismet as fate or destiny. Yeah, I always thought of it as fate and destiny. I think because there's such an overlap between Hindu culture and Muslim culture in South Asia, kismet does generally translate to fate and destiny. Sedona is one of my favorite places. I mean, I go a handful of times a year, usually off season or when I need to get a break from the heat of the valley when it's like 118 here. And I do find it pretty peaceful. But in this novel, it's anything (laughs) but as a series of murders occur. When I go to Sedona, I rent out a quiet cabin. This book is positioned to be right in the middle of everything. It's right where the tourists are. It's right where people are coming and going for wellness vacations, where there's all the cars, the traffic, and less in the peaceful areas. And to me, it was like even living here the last six years, the changes I've seen in the area and how many people are here was something that I really wanted to address. How did you get the idea for this treatment, which is funny at times because you satirize health and wellness gurus. And as a, for instance, the main character, Ronnie, is a transplant from Queens, New York to Sedona. So somewhat similar of a path from yours. Somewhat similar. I kind of was sitting here thinking after I wrote Passion Victim, I thought it would be a wasted opportunity if I didn't set a book out here because here I am. You know, I might as well give it a whirl. And if nothing comes from it, so be it, you know, but at least I, I should try. And it took a couple years to get it right. <laughs> it was like, because there, there's so many different areas you can touch on. But I thought, let's go with the wellness world. And I use Sedona as kind of as the stand in for the wellness world, because it's not necessarily the people who do wellness in Sedona, but overall wellness people that I have met in the fashion world and adjacent, who I'm using as fodder for this. You've also made wildlife critical to the book, which is very interesting to me. And I'm guessing it's because the region in which you live, just what you notice moving from the largest metro region in the U.S. to the heart of Arizona wine country. We live in the foothills of Mingus with a well. (laughs) It's very different from my old apartment on the Upper East Side. So when I was writing it, I I always feel like the main draw for me when I'm here and when I would come visit before I moved here was the wildlife. You know, it was even just from our window, I call it the Animal Expressway because all the javelinas, the coyotes, the bobcats, the deer all cut through across our property. So you can be sitting there watching TV and just seeing a parade of animals come by depending on the time of day. And I thought, well, I really need to make sure that's present because that's such a huge draw to this area. It's what makes this area so special to me. And then as I was writing this, we've got a few few drapens that hang out and one of them left a feather right at my feet. And I was like, this is weird. All right. You know what? Let's put it in the book. (laughs) So. That's how the Ravens came about. And it's a perfect example of the old adage, write what you know. Exactly. Write what's right in front of you, at your feet. (laughs) And how do some of these animals, like the Raven, for instance, interact with Ronnie? And I mean, they become characters in their own right throughout this book. Yeah, I kind of liken the Ravens to uh, a bit of a Greek chorus, you know, and they're like, this is what's happening and we don't like it. The Ravens are complaining about 
too many people about the trails not being kept up about the trash, you know, which I think are issues that people who come out to the trails definitely deal with and how to keep our wild areas more pristine while also, you know, being available to humans. So we've got the ravens who are just mad and they start to come into Ronnie's consciousness in her dreams. And she's never had any kind of weird experience, a few bit, a little bit when she was younger. And now she's dealing with these ravens who are talking to her and telling her things and who are acting out and doing terrible things to humans. I don't want you to spoil the ending, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be careful. I'm like, I, how much can I give away? Yeah, exactly. How much can you? Not much. <laughs> I can just say that there's some ravens in this and they're going to be really creepy. And the next time after you read it, when you see a raven, you might get a little scared. Amina, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us about your book, Kismet. It's out in August. And thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really wonderful. You can find out a bit more about Amina Akhtar and Kismet, which is available in early August. Go to our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, a twist on the classic novel Emma by Jane Austen centers on swingers. It's written by a Phoenix native who will launch it here in person June 9th. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. It's time to plan your summer road trip. If you have a vehicle that won't be a part of your trip to San Diego or Yellowstone, donate it to KJZZ. Find out more at cars.kjzz.org. And thanks. Whether you spend rush hour in the car or in the kitchen, All Things Considered from KJZZ and NPR is there. Get up to date while you're getting home or getting dinner started. Listen to KJZZ between 3 and 6 on 91.5 or the mobile app. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Our final guest on this episode is a Phoenix native whose debut novel, The Lifestyle, launches soon and is sure to turn heads. It's an exploration about marriage and complexities of the heart, and we should say this portion of the program may not be suitable for all listeners. Taylor Hahn left the Valley to pursue a career in law, but she'll be coming back to Phoenix for the launch of her book on Thursday, June 9th at 7 p.m. at Changing Hands. I was a commercial litigator, but now at my firm, I'm pro bono counsel, so I help run the pro bono program. It's much more rewarding. And how did that translate into a writing career? I always wanted to write, but I was always really afraid to pursue it, so I went to law school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I never forgot about that dream, so I've been writing on the side seriously since about 2017. What types of writing? Mostly fiction or articles? Yeah, I have a couple of essays that are coming out, but mostly fiction. That's what I love to do. And have you always been an avid reader? I mean, I would imagine with going into a career in law, you probably were, right? I mean, I don't think I did it when I was in high school and it was assigned as homework, but (laughs) now I'm reading those (laughs) books that they gave me as homework later in life (laughs) and really enjoying them. Well, you have a new book called The Lifestyle that's coming out, and you're actually coming back to Phoenix. Where are you at this point? So I live in Los Angeles, but I am coming home to do a book launch party at Changing Hands on June 9th. And I'm so excited. In terms of the book, in some ways, I think you could describe it as sort of a retelling of Jane Austen's Emma, a story of sort of youthful hubris, but this is quite Mm -hmm. a twist for the lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you set it up for us? 
Sure. So yes, Jane Austen plus swingers might not be intuitive, but I think it makes perfect sense because even when she was writing in the early 1800s, she was challenging the ideas and the rules around marriage. She had heroines that didn't want to get married when at that time, that was the only thing that women were allowed to aspire to. And my book also takes a good hard look at the rules of marriage and asks the question, you know, what if you changed those rules to be ethically non-monogamous? And I think Jane Austen would approve of that twist. I think probably the term that we use most frequently to describe this is polyamory. Would you agree with that? I think that's different from what I'm doing in the lifestyle. In the book, the players, I guess, are couples and they are swinging with other couples. So I think while it all falls under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy, that one difference is that swinging in the book is something that couples do together. How did you come up with the idea for the book? Originally, I had a eureka moment at a party when I overheard someone talking about swinging. And I thought that would make a really fun book. And I don't <laughs> think I've ever read anything like that before. And then it became an obsession for me because I realized as I started doing research into the lifestyle and why couples swing and why it works for them. And I learned so much about how couples feel like it really builds trust and establishes boundaries and respect with their partner. And I learned that couples in the lifestyle divorce at lower rates than monogamous couples. And I felt like I really wanted to tell that story because I don't think that's how you know, the majority of people that are not in the lifestyle view it. I think it's still sometimes viewed as the butt of a joke, you know, swingers, ha ha ha. <laughs> or a term that I can remember as far back as the 70s. And that's why I asked that question about polyamory and what the differences might be. This is set in New York City and focuses on a central character named Georgina. What's she like? Well, she's super type A. She thinks she has life completely figured out. She is inspired by Jane Austen's character of Emma Woodhouse, who is a, a lovable and adorable person, but conceited, frankly, thinks that she knows better than everybody. And she really gets knocked off her high horse when she discovers that her husband's having an affair and maybe she, her life isn't as perfect as she thought it was. But it's really in exploring herself through the lifestyle that she figures out that the messiest parts of life are actually the most beautiful. Does she come away with a deeper sense of herself and is it rewarding with what she learns? Yes. So all of the characters have a different experience in the lifestyle, but it's rewarding for all of them in that they really get to know themselves better and what they want, both in the bedroom and outside of it. Taylor Hahn is Phoenix native and author of The Lifestyle. She's coming back to Phoenix on Thursday, June 9th for the book launch at 7 o'clock at Changing Hands. Taylor, thanks so much for talking to us on Word. Thank you so much for having me. You can find out a bit more about Taylor Hahn and The Lifestyle on our website, word.kjzz.org. And thus, we wrap up another season of Word as we head into the summer. We'll be back in September with more convos about literature in Arizona and the region. I'm Tom Maxidon. Thanks for supporting Public Radio, and stay well, friends. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? 
Thanks for listening to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.